Good afternoon, part evening. This is Wounded to Wonderful Radio, keeping it real. I am your host, Edna J. White, and I'm excited today to be with you off the record, or should I say on the podcast, but off the record, not really on time. I don't know. But either way, I wanted to share a thought with you today. So, Friday, Thursday and Friday, I've been, um, you know, I do a lot of inner work and I do a lot of meditation. And I often wondered why I like to have nothing on the counters and why I was having such a difficult time with bonding with my pup and bonding with other animals. Not to say that I was abusive to them. It wasn't like my thing. You know, my thing. You know how like, yeah, you know, it it was like I would say it's not me. But being spiritual, everything is you. So like, you have to have that thing feel. Not that you may have, you may need a puppet or or a fish or a cat in your life necessarily if you're busy or you're on the road all the time but when it's a when it's you know um you're able to do it you have a pet you know but I wasn't you know I've, I've had pets in my home but I wasn't so I don't know like I see other people chummy with their pets you know I knew they were living beings I knew you know um that they deserve respect I knew all that but I just didn't get that connection and I want to get the connection with everything and all things because I am everything and all things I know a lot of people don't believe that but if we are one with God and God is one with us we are everything and we have to be one with that and be able to respect that so you know and the second part I just told you before was I was wondering, I was, you know, um, doing a test on myself. I don't like things on my counters. don't like oval, overly filled everything. I don't like all of that, you know. And I tend to wipe counters down constantly. And I don't like to have anything on the counters. Um, so I knew that w- that had a source of an issue. So I knew it. So Thursday, I started thinking about that very deeply, and I meditated. That was one of my meditations to figure that out or to ask myself what that was about. Well, on Friday, I got the answer. The one thing with the dog and with the animals was that My perpetrator, or perpetrators, both two, um, used my animals against me. So I could not form a bond with them because should I not do what that person wanted, they would harm my dog. And the second part of that is that my dogs were used against me to kind of like subdue me or I had always had like you know Irish setters you know bulldogs in my family 
And um, with a command, my dogs would protect. But my dogs were used against me to make me do what the perpetrator wanted in my to do to me. And when I realized that, I, you know, I didn't cry or anything. I didn't get upset. Because I always say, like in my book stuff, um, the things that no one told us about being an adult, that, se- that childhood sexual abuse would, would do to us when we were adults, I was aware of it. And I said, like, okay, I acknowledge that. Yeah, I acknowledge that. Now, what do I do with that? How do I fix that? You know, how do I turn that around? Because that's something that's been ingrained in me since I was, uh, maybe the oldest I was was seven. It started at five, and the animals were used against me until I was about maybe, eh, 12. Because I always had animals. I had fish and everything like that. And um, so I had to find out or ask myself, how do I turn that around? How do I fix it? How do I, like an onion, peel that back and cry, release that, and then make it something that is usable? So, I thought about it and thought about it, then I meditated, and then I honestly asked myself, what can I do to, to make this useful in my life? And I want to be able to love animals and not be afraid of them, love them, and care for them, and be close to them. Well, like I always tell tell my audience and tell my clients, is that it's one step at a time. And one step at a time is loving with your eyes closed. (laughs) So... In order for me to get past that, which is really the weirdest thing, I had to close my eyes and pet my pet, like, and love on my pet with my eyes closed. And this I did several times a day. And this is on Saturday, okay? So I kept doing it, kept doing it. So I'm going to, it's softening. My, My programming is softening. I'm not saying how long it's going to take me, because I'll report back to you and let you know how long it's going to take me for me to be fully at one with animals. So it may take a while, you know, um, because I was reading something today in one of my my, um, books or something that I had written for someone, and they said it took me 10 years just to realize... Um, that I had a voice, so that was pretty scary. Um, so I didn't want it. <laughs> I didn't want to take forever to be a, at one with animals because I got the bees and I got the spiders and I got the the insects down. You know, I, I'm okay with that. You know, I'm I'm not too fond of them. You know, I won't sit and play with them, but I'm at one with that. You know, they they serve a purpose. So, okay, so that's that, okay, with the, with the animal. Because the lesson there is we have to be at one with everything. Everything we have to be at one with. Even with 
the good and the bad of us, the dark and the light of us. We don't believe that, but if we are going by biblically, as most are, then we have to grasp the fact that the darkness came from God and the light came from God. So they're both made by God and we have to rea realize and know that there is a duality to everything. Brace that. Because if we don't, we overindulge in one and never get the full concept and balance of both. Okay, so that's the, the animal and the dog and the relationship with animals. Now the second part of this realization is I like things, nothing on my counters. Clean, nothing, nothing on my counters. I don't like a lot of stuff. And I was wondering, why do I do that? You know, my grandkids come over. I freak out. I'm cleaning all day, never having fun. You know, I'm, I'm just like, a, like a robot. I'm just constantly cleaning, 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 cleaning. Why? So, I asked myself that. And would you believe this? Audience, would you believe this? I found out by asking myself... Why is it that I do this? And it is because when my parent and my stepdad fought and argued, my mom, as a defense, would pick up things and throw it, throw them. So being the protector and the eldest of the family of the children, I would pack the children up, which I had, I think, one, two, three, four. I, oh, I have four. So I had um, two, yeah, four. Four siblings and a cousin. And I'd put everybody in the closet. Um, no, no, I'm sorry, not the closet. We had a, a food pit, like a, a big walk-in food closet. So we'd, I'd put them in there and I said, don't, don't come out unless I come and get you. And then I would be the one to kind of watch to see what is going on with my stepdad and my mom when they were fighting. And arg I mean, they were like really fighting and screaming and yelling and it was a lot of all of that. It was a lot of, you know, you know, um, volatile things going on. There was screaming and there was, you know, cursing and there was um, things being thrown, things being broken, um, people being pushed punched, you know, all of that, and I was the one to stand out and kind of watch and over my mom, even though I could not physically do anything, I would stand and make sure that she was okay. So I'd watch this, this would go on maybe like 20, 25 minutes maybe, not, not even 30, it's not that much energy, but I would watch this go on and then I would make sure and wash up or take care of my mom, but when this fighting was going on, there was things on the counter that my mom can actually literally take up and throw it at that at the my stepdad. And when she threw it, it would either land up against the wall or it would, you know, crack in millions of pieces or it would hit him. Um, so I realized that that was the one of the things that I said that um, I agreed that I would not have anything on my counter. So if anybody got mad, they couldn't 
take something from my counter and hurt someone or break something up. So that was the reason why I was cleaning my counters and getting, not putting anything on them and not, you know, not, and, and barely making, creating, you know, decorations, barely doing that because it would end up broken. The second reason why that I didn't want anything on the counters or I didn't want anything to kind of break up the flow of a room, sort of like a big gigantic pillow or something big that obstructs your view is because my perpetrator used every object that could kind of, um, like he could hide behind um, to manipulate me, to like manipulate me behind that item. So I always wanted, in my mind, I I said to myself, and I I kind of found this out, I said to myself, I'm not going to have big things like that because I'm going to know what's going on. I'm not going to have big pillows. I'm not going to have large furniture. I'm not going to have walls that I can't see what's going on with my children. So whenever I choose something, no matter how nice it is, it has to. Ha- I have to be able to see. I have to be able to see a flow through it. Like I have to see everything. So even with the white, with having white in my house, I have to be able to see everything. Make sure I see a mark. Make sure. So that was the, the agreement that I made in my mind about, you know, not having things that are big and bulky and lots of stuff and cluttery. That was what I, I agreed in my mind not to have in order to be a protector. So, you're wondering why I am telling you all of this? Because maybe someone out there can relate. See, we all often think that, oh, we're good, we're healed, we're, we're this, we're that. I'm going to tell you right now, trauma, trauma, trauma is a bitch, okay? Trauma affects the way you see things, the way you smell things, the way you taste things, the way you talk, the things that you hear, the way you think, and even the way that your fingers, like you textile, how you feel with your hands. It affects every part of your body. My eating habits were affected by my perpetration, my my trauma. My eating habits were affected by it. And to this day, it's still affecting me. It's still affecting me. And I'm learning to adjust to the trauma. So think of trauma as an earthquake. An eruption of ground that's spewing hot lava. Some years it spews a lot, some years it spews a little. But it creates these layers, these hard layers that you now have to go through to get to the solid ground. So that is trauma. It's a, it's a layered effect and being that I started working and beat on myself when I was, I think I want to say 
19 or 20, I began to go to the, um, to really work with the, the um, counselor to really, you know, um, address some of the issues with the counselor. Um, and then I, you know, I stopped going and then I went again when I was in my 30s. Yeah, my 30s. And then again, I stopped and then I started again fully at 42. So I say all of this is that trauma is a bitch. You know, we're trying to get out of it. And we may not even want to say that word, but it really is. It really is. I can't find another word or, or, or anything that I may take up the place of it. But trauma is a bitch. Trauma affects the way we do and say everything. Now, let's just let's just hear. Let's just be real funky right now. Trauma trauma doesn't show up like everybody expects it to show up. It's not going to show up. It may show up in my life as something really dramatic that that you can see, and then only I can see, and I have to deal with or medically, or mentally, or even in your body. It can show up quiet, but it still shows up. It can show up loud, but it still shows up. Trauma, all of us, I believe, have experienced trauma, but somewhere in the break of our mental status, we couldn't handle it. So we created what we call these walls that we can kind of manipulate, move up and down when we want to, or we create fantasy people like that wall that can help us, that can pretend to be someone else and protect our mental psyche from being broken further. I remember I had, um, you know, um, a, um, I wouldn't say a second personality when I was a young girl, when I was a young girl, when I was being perpetrated, because my, my perpetration was every day for years and years. Um, I think the first time I ever told when I was 12, and it started happening at 5, and then even after 12, it was still happening but not as frequent and it still was happening and I think that I had created a alter ego there you go that's what it is an alter ego of a person from myself in order for me to deal with all of this stuff that was happening so my it was funny and um my alter ego was Olive Oil from Popeye. Now, you know Olive Oil. She's this thin, really thin person um, with the same hairdo, pull back, you know, long nose, plain face, long dress, boots on, weird voice, you know, a very thin voice, and had the pick of the litter, had two great guys fighting over her all the time. But, a lot of people never listened to Olive Oil. Olive Oil said some very, was, very, very words 
very important words, and she wasn't afraid of neither one of them. She wasn't afraid to say what she wanted to say, and then cut and run. But she was strong in her own way, and she knew what to say and how to say it to get what she needed to get done. So, olive oil was my girl. Like I, you know, my mom found me a, a, one of the Raggedy Ann dolls that looked like her. And whenever my perpetration was happening, I would look to her if I didn't have her in my hands. And I would say she would be my protector. And I would tell her all my stories. And she kept them. She kept them within. She kept them inside. She locked them away. And she became my alter ego. So, I'm saying to my audience and my uh, clients, if you're listening... We turn on these things in our lives a lot of the times to protect ourselves. We deny, which is the new thing, you know, we deny it. Or we say, oh, we'll get over, which is considered denial. Or we'll say, it happened long ago, which is denial. Um, But we have to work on those things because not attending to your soul is like a boil on your skin that you know is there and it's festering and festering now it's infected um, and you're not putting medication on it you're not washing you're not cleaning it you're not doing anything but you're just basically letting it sit there and and it's an open wound so you're going to put you know gauze or you're going to put a band-aid over it but you're never going to make sure you're never going to wash it you're never going to change the gauze it's just like that you're you're putting gauze on top of dirty gauze and you're just covering up covering up covering up and pretty soon you start walking and you get used to walking that way and said oh well yeah that's the way i used to walk that's the way i walk now you know and you walk that way and you're walking you're walking over it and you're not dealing with it when i say deal with it i, I shouldn't even say that word i should say that you're not, you're not addressing it. You're not standing up and saying to yourself like I did, why am I doing what I do? Trauma is a bitch and you need to tell it, why am I doing what I do? Is it, and then try to make it work that it works best for you. So I I told you, um, you know, I figured this thing out about the, you know, clean the counters off. So what did I do the next day? I left my grandkids over, so I left all the dishes in the sink. I forced myself. Every time I looked at it, I forced myself. Even though I have a dishwasher, I forced myself to leave the things in the, in the, in the uh, sink. I forced myself to do that. And I forced myself to leave things sitting on the counter because I wanted to be able to say, I'm doing this step by step. I'm learning to desensitize myself to the, the programmed way I was. And I don't want to be programmed. You know, I want to be able to live free and not worry. See, that was worrying me. Being that way was, very, was worrisome. Was worrisome for me. And I couldn't even get it. And I was like, why is this upsetting me so? 
and I had to address it. I'm saying to you, in order to be a, have a happy and a fulfilled life, you have to address some of these major, major disruptions. Because trauma is a bitch. And it doesn't take prisoners. You know, it doesn't take prisoners. It kills you. <coughs> Excuse me. So, family, friends. <coughs> Excuse me audience, clients, <coughs> excuse me, keep doing the inner work that you need to do. Keep doing that inner work that you need to do. Don't ignore it. Don't turn a blind eye to it. Don't close deaf ears to it. But keep doing that inner work because, you know, You'll be a happier person and just sitting alone in your home and not doing anything will bring its rewards and its, its total blessing. This is Edna J. White and I'm so glad that you guys were with me today. I hope and really pray that we actually get to the place that we are healed. I don't think that'll ever happen fully 100% in this, in this body. But you know what? We can get as close as we need to. And sometimes we need to be. Um, sometimes we want to be. And sometimes we should be. This is Edna J. White signing off. I am so glad that you listened to Wounded to Wonderful Radio. I remember... Sign up, okay, sign up, um, and to get uh, the alerts as soon as it comes out, and subscribe to my YouTube channel. This is not going to be on the YouTube channel, but please subscribe to my YouTube channel, um, Edna White Coaching. Go on my Facebook page, EJW Coaching, and my great group, Wounded to Wonderful, find it. Subscribe to it. Join the page. Um, we're doing great things. This is my page is about coaching, and the questions I ask on there, funny as they may be, are part of your personality. Thanks so much for listening. I love y'all. Get back to me. This is Edna J. White signing off. Bye.